This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to Grief Relief. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host and daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Hi, Heidi. Hi, Mom. Well, we've got a topic today that um, I think is really going to be important to a lot of our audience, and I know that you've had some experience with this also with miscarriage. So why don't you introduce our guest today, and let's get right on to our topic. Okay, great. Um, Like you said, our topic today is miscarriage, and and finding hope after miscarriage. And I'm really glad we are having this, this show because, as you know, Mom, it's a very minimized and unacknowledged loss. And here today to talk with us is our guest, Cornelia Cannon Holden. Cornelia Cannon Holden is a social entrepreneur and an educator. Through her comp- company, Mindful Warrior, she is dedicated to helping her clients reach their performance potential. In 2013, Cornelia was 18 weeks pregnant when she learned that her pregnancy was no longer viable. As a body-centered psychotherapist, she shares with others her path to recovery. Welcome to the show, Cornelia. Thank you so much, Heidi. Cornelia, I just realized something. When I said miscarriage, I think I misstated because you really didn't have a miscarriage. You really had a pregnancy loss, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I guess. uh, I don't know completely the difference there, but I can tell you that I went in at 18 weeks pregnant. Um, I hadn't shared that I was pregnant with many people. I was able to sort of hide it a little bit. I'm in a very public role in in my life, and I wanted to be sure that I'd gotten through the first trimester um, for obvious reasons, but also because I'm over 40, and I wanted to go in and just hear the heartbeat, and then I was headed on vacation to see family and was looking forward to celebrating. So um, it was a profound shock. And you were in the second trimester, right? Correct. Yeah. Because like you said, Cornelia, there's something about being in the first trimester and saying, okay, I'm, I'm, I've gotten through it now. I'm yep. kind of almost at the home stretch. I'm kind of in the middle of the marathon, but I'm in a good place. Exactly. And I very much thought I was there. I was showing. I was having all, you know, I had all the signs and symptoms of pregnancy. I was exhausted. Um, you know, and for most moms, there's a lot of planning and a lot of caretaking that goes into getting pregnant and then sustaining pregnancy. And I work. And so, um yeah, I mean, I don't know. There was so much shock going in, thinking you're going to hear a heartbeat at 18 weeks, and then not hearing it, and then having a DNC. You know, a few hours later, I went straight from um, my OB's office to the hospital, and uh, and that, that just for because I was headed on a flight a couple of days later, and he just was concerned that you know maybe I would miscarry in a place where, you know, it couldn't be taken care of so easily. And I wanted to say something uh, about you to our audience, because I think this is very important here. You're a person who has always been very much in touch with your body, and you were a skier. You were a Division II uh, giant slalom uh, ski racing champion. And you t- uh, talked. we talked earlier on the show that when you were 21, uh, you had a serious head injury and almost died. And at that time, you kind of got into a world of understanding your body and maybe an esoteric world and knowing more about healing and psychology of healing and that kind of thing. So as you moved into this, you were a person who was in position to maybe think in terms of this pregnancy loss in different ways, because I want people to hear the kinds of things that you did and kind of what 
your philosophy and what happened. So can you talk a little bit about that? You lost the baby, very dramatic, obviously, you and your husband there together, and you have to have uh, this baby removed from your body with a DNC, which has got to be hugely dramatic. Well, I mean, yes, absolutely. I I learned the news. I had the ultrasound, and... um, I'm I'm somebody who's open to uh, very minimal technology and uh, live live sort of fairly simply uh, in that way as best I can and um, and I was really sort of doing this dance with my OB who wanted to do ultra you know sort of the traditional care versus what I was hoping for um, in the care and, and we'd done this really nice dance and then all of a sudden you know the the, the ultrasound reveals that there's no heartbeat. And um, I haven't had a chance to talk with my OB, but I, I'm assuming he might have been somewhat surprised that I immediately went into okay, like let's what do we what do we need to do? And I think that was partly the shock speaking. Um, but I definitely knew that if there was no heartbeat, um, we needed to to make a choice. And and there was I knew I was going to grieve, but I didn't want to prolong. And I, I guess I wanted there to be clarity about. Um, uh, I knew I was in it. I knew I was in something, and I've been in some tough situations before. So I, at any rate, I said, let's go to the hospital now. If you can do a DNC later tonight, that would be great. And it turns out that um, because I'd eaten lunch at noon, I couldn't have the DNC until about 7 o'clock. And so I happened to be admitted to the hospital just before um, the shift in staffing. And so there probably were about 10 women who, nurses who attended to me over that time. And in terms of my background, I mean, I will say that um, I I got there, I sort of took care of logistics, called my mom, explained what was going on, called one other friend who's a physician as well as a uh, one of my best friends and also somebody who had a miscarriage. And she sort of was the perfect person to call in that moment. And I just wanted to get my bearings on, like, what was I about to go through? I never even prepared myself for a DNC in my life or knew much about it. And once I'd sort of told my family what was going on and gotten some bearings from my friend who said, look, this is a really standard operation and, um, you know, that doesn't minimize the the feelings you're feeling, but I just want you to know it's really standard. Um, then I was able to sort of touch in with where I was spiritually and emotionally, and, and I think it was sort of all of a sudden was this, like, waterfall of emotions. And I turned to my husband and I said, God, you know, I mean, this isn't just us. This is a, a, a loss of child. Like, we need a chaplain. And having gone through divinity school and having very close friends who are chaplains, um, I think it was very comfortable for me to know in that moment, this is a moment for um, honoring uh, the loss of a life, for honoring my own grief, our grief collectively, and also just wanting to pray this being... um, you know, that died at some point when I didn't know it had died, but, you know, that was the first I knew, and so I wanted to honor that with ritual and prayer. Um, And I, you know, as I look back on it, uh, I was in the hospital, as you said, for my head injury, and that was before I really was on this spiritual path, and it was, I think this was the first time in my life when I was ever in the midst of the medical um, establishment as a spiritual woman in crisis, and um, I definitely drew on my divinity school background and also on my body-centered psychotherapy background, as you mentioned. 
Yeah. So, okay, so you left the hospital, and I know um, you then started to make some plans to get with some spiritual people. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you, I think I might just say a couple things, because what happened, is it all right if I just share briefly with it, with your audience about what happened in the hospital? Because that sure. almost feels even more relevant than... Uh-huh. So my my is um, so my husband and I ended up not there wasn't a chaplain because of the hour um, on staff and so we prayed and then I actually called a very very close friend of mine and um, and she really really prayed me almost like literally into the operating room and I think the neat thing for me was that I, somehow by entering that space the nursing staff I have no idea they're spiritual orientation, but the support, the the emotional, energetic, spiritual support I felt coming from them as they realized that I was both, you know, grieving deeply and also trying to have some connection to God and to spirituality in the process of this loss um, created something I'll never forget in in both the room as I was waiting to go into um, the operation and then um, I even held the hands of the, I just, I didn't even think about it. I was, I had the anesthesiologist was at, at the side of my bed, my husband and, and the, and the, the nurse. And I just held their hands. I said, I came, I just need to pray one last time, um, that, you know, that the hands of, of my OB who was performing the surgery would, you know, would take care. And my friend prayed also a, a really interesting prayer I want to offer that I would have never thought of. Um, my my friend, the chaplain, prayed that I would come out of the surgery even more whole than going in. And, and that blew me away. I would have never thought that somehow in this tremendous grief and shock and pain and loss that I could you know, be more whole. That you would be more whole. And I love that they put that your chaplain put the, that idea into your head and into your body. Yeah. And I had some very deep miracle um, actually coming out of, um, I came out of the operating room and called my friend who's this chaplain back. You know, I only called her probably half an hour later. I don't know what it was. Time kind of gets warped in these situations. But, and, uh, and she was able then to sort of, it was like she prayed me in and then sort of closed the prayer space. Um, and in that moment, this may sound strange to people, but I just—I guess I just want to offer and to testify that in the moment of her prayer, I felt this warm, peaceful energy enter my body, and um, I'm a little bit scared to share, to share this, but I, I feel strongly that I need to, which is that um, all, all I can say is that it felt like that Jesus lay down inside of my body, mm-hmm. and... Um, I've never, I'll tell you what, I came out of the operating room in pain, and the energy that lay down inside of me, it was like, they sent me home with morphine, they sent me home with all these pain meds, I never took any pain meds, the minute that energy entered my body, it was like all this pain was lifted, there was something, it was like a miracle. Then how, were you able to hold on to that, or did you have bad times after that? Oh, I had such extreme bad times after that. Um mostly emotional, but then I had good times. It's, You know what I had was this cocktail of, like, you know, incredible spiritual presence coupled with incredible sadness and grief and loss. And I flew to California because we were going on vacation, and I, you know, then it was like I was I was hit with all this grief 
Um, they say that, you know, with a miscarriage, you get all of those postpartum chemicals, but you don't have the baby. Um, and that's what I, I felt like I was going through. And I, and I also have done, I've been, my husband and I have been together for 17 years and we have a, a deep, um, communication or relationship. And even so, there are times when, you know, when I'm going through hard times, I, I do it both with him and maybe I seek out help elsewhere. But through this, the difference was that I felt like we were in it together. It was my body, but it was us and this child. And so there was this need, it was this in- incredibly intense period of grieving that did not feel complete unless we were in it together. Like it wasn't mine to go grieve alone or go get help alone. It was like we um, and our family and our our marriage. And so we really... Thank God I have a husband who who was willing to sort of walk with me and understand and support that. And yeah, that's great. That's fantastic that you had that, and and that, but also that you allowed him to do that, and knew that that was part for you, don't you think, Heidi? Yes, and and it's. I also think that I often hear that that isn't the case. So Cornelia, I love this because oftentimes men feel they either feel left out or they feel like the loss is not as significant, and that it is mm. the woman that's taking the journey and. I love that you both were in it together and that you both got, you know, validated each other's losses because sometimes the man, the man does feel like he was, he's left out. Well, and we even process that because, you, you know, it's so profound, you know, as your viewership knows and I now know that when you go through loss, it's also very uncomfortable for people around you, especially if they're not, like, super close and they don't know exactly what's going on. They want to offer help, but they don't know how, and they don't want to make it worse, and it can be uncomfortable. So I wasn't even sure I was getting quite the energetic support that I needed from certain people, and then Kevin reminded me, you know, you know, the interesting thing was that at least people were asking me how I was doing, but there was no asking, really, of him. And not that we were upset with anybody. It's just such an interesting cultural thing. Right. Yeah, you're right. It is. Now, tell us, um, I know you had some things that you wanted to tell um, our audience about some of the things, if they've had a miscarriage, that they can do physically that you did or mentally or whatever. What are some of the things that I could do if I've had a miscarriage in the last month or two? Well, um, I can just speak from my one experience, and um, what I'll say is that uh, about six weeks after this, so I went through the incredible cocktail of emotions that I described, and then um, I, I was sort of starting to feel like, you know, about five weeks out, like, all right, I'm sort of through a little bit of that. It was, it's been, you know, it's sort of a boomerang back and forth. But then I went and visited a friend of mine who's a massage therapist and spent an intensive period of, of about a week with her. I just, my husband was like, you've got to go take the time. And so I sort of took a vacation week from work. And um, she tended to me um, sort of twice a day. And I, and I, I guess what I want to share is even if you can't, um, you know, n- whatever your ability is to access um, somebody in that way, the thing that struck me so profoundly was that um, as she started to work on me and I, I really became in touch even further with my own physical process through this this healing, I realized that, uh, first of all, um, uh, hips going out is really, really common during grief. And so if you have lower back pain or you feel really insta- unstable in your hips, um, seeing a massage therapist, seeing a chiropractor, seeing somebody to help um, stabilize that area is incredibly useful and important. Um, all those muscles have been stretched, the tendons, the ligaments, and, and are now 
um, coming back together. But the funny, the thing that that occurred to me is that after my, I, this is my second pregnancy. After I gave birth the first time, you know, there's a way in which the body, at least in my case, like knew the procedure to come back. But I realized that going through a DNC. Um, you know, one minute my body thinks it's fully fine and pregnant, and the next minute all of a sudden, like, it's been artificially shifted. And I think my my whole system went into shock and didn't even know how to come back, you know, contract back. There's no baby, you know, breastfeeding. There's, it was just a really confused time. And so I watched as I could slow down during that week that she stabilized my hips and then stabilized my sacrum and tailbone and pubic bone really got that foundation restabilized. Um, and, and then I actually um, did sort of like a loving-kindness meditation for my own uterus because I had this hit as I was doing this work that there was an energetic sense that it had failed me and that it had done something wrong or something like that. And that may sound kind of out there for some of your did audience. You, Maybe your somebody... body had failed you? Yeah. That, like, my uterus somehow had, like... Right. And so I just I just we prayed. Hear we hear that on the show, and I, I definitely felt like that when I had my two miscarriages. Like, our, here we are, we're trying to, you know, stay, do, we think we're doing everything right physically, and yet we can't carry the term a baby. I, I definitely, yeah. in my case, felt like my body had failed me. And, and I guess my feeling is, like, I just sat with that and sat with... I, uh, you know, guilt and blame, but there was sort of this meta thing where it was like there was the me and then there's my uterus and there was this sense of like, I just laid my hands on my womb and, and, and just thought, look, I'm not, there's no blame here. I'm not going to go into blame with myself. I think that's a great idea. I, I like that, you know, putting your hands on your womb and doing loving kindness every day. I, I think that that is a very, would be a very healing thing to do. And then what happened, right, as I did that, is I started to have the normal contractions you would have when you give birth. Wow. It was like my, it was like I gave my uterus the permission to do the thing that it would have done if it had given birth, you know, 12 weeks right, later. Right, because they do have to have those contractions after and heal. And, uh, of course. Yeah, that relaxing and healing, I think. Being in touch with your body like that is an amazing thing. So, well, you know, one of the things that I've been very impressed with you uh, is that you are, you know, a, a public person. You're involved with your Mindful Warrior program. You work with the U.S. Uh, hockey team, the Olympic, right? And and you're doing all yes, these. Yes, I work for them for four years. And you're doing all these programs for women, and yet you're willing to come out and be public about something very personal. And I am very appreciative of that because I know there are so many people who have had miscarriages and these kind of losses and uh, their pregnancies have ended. And I I know that uh, people can go on and find you. Where do they find your YouTube uh, talking about this? Um, You can Google my name, Cornelia Holden, and then Harvard Divinity Dialogues. And there's a speech that I gave um, about a about three weeks after this all happened. But what is very interesting about it is the fact that you say that people need to know our personal stories so they can know who we are, so they can be with us, help us, and to be part of it. Um, I think that's that's really important, and, and I congratulate you for your courage to come forward and, and to help people. I appreciate that very much, Cornelia. 
Well, thank you. When I was going through the hard time, I was reaching out to blogs and just hoping that somebody out there could understand and that I wasn't alone. And so I guess this is that offering back to the universe. That's fabulous. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today and 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 telling your story. Thank you for having me, Gloria and Heidi. I appreciate it. Thank you, Cornelia. Thank you for giving this back to the universe because like my mom said, there are so many women out there that need to know that they're not alone, that need to know that other women have gone through this, and so many couples. So thank you for, for being of service in that way. My pleasure. Thank you. And thanks for listening to the show today, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.